Three, two, one. While a lot of people are distracted, panicking, and fighting over toilet paper, there's actually a lot of other important stuff not related to the C word, which we will not be talking about in this video, but we will be talking about all the other important stuff that is happening right now, developing, especially when it comes to Bitcoin, encryption, Epstein, and the Russians, and of course, Tulsi Gabbard. We're going to jump just right into it with, of course, Tim Bichette here joining us today. And, 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 and the big news today, the, the, the one that is actually getting some headlines, is the fact that Tulsi Gabbard has dropped out. She suspended her campaign and she has endorsed establishment woodchuck weird smeller of children man, Joe Biden, the Democratic establishment mainstream media loved favorite candidate that cnn literally says that it's like a dream come true whenever this man has any kind of political success or maybe is able to utter some words coherently but this is news and it is surprising a lot of people that tulsi gabbard has done this it has not surprised me uh, she is also a, a member of the council on foreign relations she also was running a campaign that pretty much was echoing the same kind of talking points as donald trump echoed when he was running to be president of the united states specifically when it came to foreign policy and just like donald trump promised a lot of changes with american foreign policy tulsi gabbard was making this, those same promises just like you know Barack Obama did before, George W. Bush did before, and as we know from all of those examples, those promises are nothing but just promises. As of course, a perpetual war, even more extensive military operations are continued as the United States is expanding and launching new military campaigns in Iraq against uh, Iranian and Shia forces that are fighting ISIS and Sunni radicals in that region. So what's your reaction from that? Because uh, Tim, I'm actually not kind of surprised. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Tulsi, I mean, I think, yeah, when, when it comes when it comes to Tulsi, uh, you know, I agree with everything you just said, you know, and, and, and I did vote for Trump, but you know, the second he got in there, he was the guy that was in there and I wasn't you know, going to be a team player and I was giving him help from the second he got in there trying to keep him on the right path, not to get to the current, you know, crisis that we're in right now. And so with Tulsi, I, I do sympathize that she got the Ron Paul type treatment, so to speak. Uh, the Bernie Sanders type treatment, so to speak. And I do sympathize with that. And I think that she wasn't treated fairly. But, you know, if she did, you know, by a miracle, manage to get in there, I would be criticizing all the stuff that she would probably be doing, such as CFR, you know, pretty bad on guns, a lot of different things that she's not that she's not great on. So, you know, what? and then then I also, you know, you get the fact that Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, doesn't like her. So what is it? The, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so the fact that Hillary Clinton you know, was out there calling her a Russian agent and saying that, you know, she's the candidate of the Russians. I guess then that got switched over to Bernie Sanders and he became the candidate of the Russians. And I don't know if you want me to kind of segue into the Russians it, now. It segues like perfectly into the next story. But before we jump, before we jump into that, there's, there was a lot of people being like, you got to support Toro. So you got to be behind her. She's saying all the right things. And I'm like, you don't understand how the games run. The games run just the way it is now. She's supporting the establishment candidate. A lot of people are surprised. Again, look at our, our reporting. We're not surprised here at all. She was accused of being a Russian agent, which perfectly ties into the Russian delusion craziness story of this next story, which Tim, you should introduce. 
Yeah, so right here, what we have is a story from the Associated Press, feds dropping case for two Russian companies in troll probe. And so, you know, lost in all the hysteria that's going on with the corona, the C word and uh, and the economic data, we have the fact that there was two different companies, Concord Management and, and Consulting LLC and Concord Catering were among three companies and 13 individuals charged in, by in 2018 by special counsel Robert Mueller in a conspiracy to spread disinformation on social media during the 2016 presidential race. Now, to me, this is absolutely just pants on fire craziness. You know, the fact that Russians are being blamed on what, what you had, you know, $100,000 of Facebook ads. Meanwhile, Bloomberg spends half a billion dollars and, you know, gets absolutely nowhere. I mean, I spent about $1,000 on ads to try to help Trump out and did 10% of what the Russians did. Over the course of two years, I did it in two months. And it's not about me. It's about, I had such hope then, such optimism of, hey, I'm just a young guy that is a nobody that's coming in here and able to influence things and I can teach other people to do this but boom the band hammer got dropped immediately because they didn't they wanted to make sure that they always controlled the narrative even though my narrative wasn't about helping out Trump so one of the things I did was I also the this is by coincidence is there was a day about two or three years ago where the it was on the DNC or the democratic house.gov website they actually had all the actual Russian ads on that website so you so I went I actually downloaded it was like eight gigabytes worth of ads and I did a, a live stream as part of uh, some of you might know I'm, I'm also a contributor for world alternative media with Josh Sigurdsson I did a live stream where I just went through for like an hour and a half just clicking the ads just opening up ad each ad individual individual one by one just to show you know what these ads were most of the first off I'd say over 50% of them were pro Hillary and then I'd say you know about half of the ones that were pro Trump were actually these two black guys it was something like Kelvin and it almost sounded like Kelvin and Hobbes the name of this but it wasn't quite that but it, these two guys were more they were almost more like vol voluntarist anarchists or just saying the whole thing is a, is a sham and maybe the best ad I saw was like uh, you know had Satan arm wrestling Hillary and they're trying to say that oh that swung the election but most of these were very very you know amateur hour I mean something that I feel like a 12 year old could make up and do a better job and these were and then so you never actually see what the Russian ads actually are and of course that live stream got taken down and, and you know all sorts yeah. of stuff you'd expect and, and of course the mainstream media paints this as this huge big russian pr campaign like a bear coming in and scratching and attacking and biting and eviscerating our democracy and, and when you really kind of take a deep dive into it if this is even allegedly tied to them because there's even people questioning that pretty incompetent i mean people say that the russians were meant to sow kind of discontent and they were promoting people like michael moore trump and hillary but also they were doing it in very ineffective ways uh you know they didn't spell things correctly and and it really looked like amateur hour and it's hard to make sense of this because it, again if this is even legitimate as the authorities claim it to be which the authorities lie all the time uh, it's it's very incompetent and, and wouldn't make a dent at all. Anything else you want to say before we jump into the next story about this particular topic? No, yeah, it's just it's just laughable. And, and obviously, you know, if you were trying to, you know, paint the Russians to do something, I mean, what would you do? I mean, you might use one of their keyboards. I forgot what it's called, like a Cyrillic keyboard. And you might have, and I think I remember seeing McAfee break, John McAfee breaking this down. And, and oh, you might use a VPN to say you're in Russia. And then you might do it during Russian business hours. And so, I mean, if you were going to frame somebody to do to do this, and it's not like I'm any fan of the Russians, it, it's not, it's not very, easy, not very hard, hard to do. And so, 
to see to see you know people just falling for this time and time again it's just absolutely crazy just absolutely crazy yeah. and and there's you know plenty of other stuff people are falling for so if you want to go to the next articles to see the, yeah 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 the intelligence agencies white on rice on some incompetent maybe just a russian troll or maybe just some troll in general or maybe some you know operations whatever the, the, the intelligence agencies they know everything about that right but when it comes to this next story they're, they don't know anything publicly, but they've been caught helping and aiding and abetting this, you know, international child trafficking, extortion, and abuse ring that they've been implicated in with, of course, Jeffrey Epstein. And now, new information coming in that Ghislaine Maxwell, the person that many victims point to as being the head person above Jeffrey Epstein here, it's coming out right now that Ghislaine Maxwell is staking a legal claim to Jeffrey Epstein's $636 million estate because, quote, Jeffrey Epstein promised he would pay her legal bills. <laughs> yes, this, this couldn't get more absurd than it already is. Ghislaine Maxwell filed paperwork in the U.S. Virgin Islands to have a piece of Jeffrey Epstein's money, the $636 million that's up for stakes that, again, victims are suing for as well. And again, all of this is because allegedly Epstein promised to pay for her lawyers. Again, Ghislaine Maxwell uh, obviously uh, tied in to her father, another huge secretive uh, establishment intelligence agent figure in the United Kingdom and all over the world. Again, many shady connections. Uh, to that individual's, uh, Glenn Maxwell also had helicopter licenses, submarine licenses. I mean, this just reads out of a spy novel. And she is saying that she incurred significant legal fees, <laughs> personal security costs, and expenses for her work for Epstein for 1999 to 2006. You would think working for a convicted child abuser would bring some stigma. But no, she wants to get properly compensated for her work aiding and abetting you know the international child trafficking and extortion ring that all signs point to a larger intelligence operation that went awry and then they had to get rid of epstein for more secrets uh coming out and again uh this just sto this story just couldn't be more unbelievable than it already is this is some nerve and uh wow this is no shame at all and and for and and the, the bigger story here is why hasn't she been interviewed why hasn't she been properly investigated why isn't she investigated and detained for the alleged crimes that so many victims point her directly to and that's because we have a criminal injustice system that cares about power rather than doing the right thing and justice. This is why thousands of children were hurt and will never heal from the abuse from these people ever again in their lives. Most of them will. And uh, that's that's the work of the intelligence agencies, which is just absolutely, and the authorities that failed to do their job here. That's absolutely insane. Uh, do you have anything else to say about that story before we jump into Bitcoin? Well, no, I mean, it's just that, you know, and you're saying the reason of a spy novel and supposedly when she was at that, whether it was staged in an outburger thing, what was she reading? It was like Death of a CIA Agent was, I think, was the uh, was Well, the, the book. book was topic, uh, the topic was uh, around like CIA secrets and, the, you know, the assassination of CIA officials. That's, that's the topic of the book. I forgot the exact book title. 
Yeah, and then you've got you know her father was Robert Maxwell, who when he passed away and under pretty weird circumstances, I mean he was basically a well-known intelligence agency asset. And then it, uh, yeah, and that like, photo, by the way, that photo by by Jocelyn Maxwell, she leaked to the media as a quote organic natural picture of some random person walking by taking it. Meanwhile, she had product placement placed in there for major Hollywood movies because she knew the picture would go viral, and she she worked with a marketing PR campaign and a company to place movie advertisements behind it so the movie could get more attention for it. This is how bad paying criminals like Ghislaine Maxwell that are able to get away, get away with uh, being accused of the worst horrible acts by many people. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and he had her dad who was buried in state, and then I believe it was, I'm not sure if it was Ehud Barak or whoever it was that said something along the lines of, you know, he's done more than we we're ever allowed to even even mention here uh, for the state of Israel. He, was, he wasn't born in Israel. I don't think he was an Israeli citizen, but yet somehow, you know, obviously big, big ties, but that's not what this whole uh, entire report is about. So we're going to move, move gears here to Bitcoin. So right now, Bitcoin has been on a tear the past uh, 24 hours of 15.9%. Uh, so we just crossed the $6,000 threshold. Uh, let me just re, uh, refresh the screen to make sure we're still giving. Okay, now it's up 200 bucks since the last time I refreshed it. So it's up 20% the past 24 hours. And I mean, we were saying the other day, not financial advice, but you know, anytime you've seen Bitcoin you know, with a fear and greed index, something like a 10, that's always to me been a screaming buy. Again, not financial advice. Don't put any more than what you're comfortable in. Uh, if you want one in your IRA, I can help you out with that. But anyways, we've, we've, with, with Bitcoin, it is... Uh, you know, I, I really did. I really did think that it was going to be the response to the crisis. Maybe when people get all these thousand dollar checks, I mean, a lot, certainly a lot of our friends, I mean, what they would do is take their thousand bucks and put it into Bitcoin. And, you know, and ultimately these, these bailout programs that they're happening, these, all these trillion dollars of ballots that we're talking about. I think this is only just the beginning. There's no way to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Check out our other financial videos that we've been doing on this. And, you know, as this starts getting crazier and crazier and crazier, then I think it's that response to the craziness that then sees, is going to see Bitcoin go up. Because in the beginning, I mean, Bitcoin being a risk asset, I did expect that to go down. And so you've got people who are over leveraged. They need to cover different shorts. Their traditional portfolios got hammered. They need to raise cash. Maybe they just lost their jobs. Maybe they're you know out of work temporarily. Maybe they've been laid off. And so now people need money and they need to cash things in. And even if it's not a great time to cash things in, if you need money, you need money. And uh, but I, I think long term, I'm very bullish on it. But short term, you know, really, you know, who who knows? But you know, to me. Buy when others are fearful. Be fearful when others are buying. That's one of the best investment maxims you could possibly know. And, you know, right now, nobody wants anything to do with Bitcoin, which, you know, to me is usually a good time. Yeah, even when Bitcoin was a few dollars, I always said, invest what you're willing to lose. No one has a magic eight ball. We're still in a major financial storm. And I think that same advice is still heated here. Whatever you do, if you're playing around with the Wild West, very volatile market, which some people, you know, you know talk about manipulation would... of. Uh, invest only what you're willing to lose, especially in cryptos. Yeah, and I, something? yeah, and I would say that actually when it was a dollar or underneath a dollar, that it was actually even more riskier in terms of, you know, if you were to throw $10,000 into Bitcoin when it was a dollar, which is, you know, the first time I heard about it, I first recommended it at $30, but it was to a guy that was super rich that had tons of money to lose that I told him this could easily go to zero. You know, there's this new thing called Bitcoin, and but at the time it was way too hard to buy. He didn't end up doing it, uh, you know, which, you know, too bad. But I'd say if you threw $10,000 back then when it was a dollar versus throwing $10,000 in now, 
the odds of you getting your money back, I think back then were probably even a lot less than the odds of you getting your money back today, eventually. So, you know, yeah, well, it held at a dollar that went, went down from there and people would have lost money. If they would have lost money, they would have panicked and they would have sold off, just like we see so many people always do acting emotionally, rather logically when it comes to these kind of larger yeah. economic I mean, I know, moves. So, I know, yeah, yeah, I know yeah, people that sold Ethereum at like a dollar because it went from like, you know, really like $10 down to a dollar and they sold out because they thought it was going to crash down. And so, you know, I've seen lots of, uh, you know, very, very sad stories like that. Yeah, it really depends like what you're doing on an individual basis. And again, not financial advice, but uh, especially with crypto, just whatever you're doing, if you have some money to play around with, to lose, to gamble, that's the best place to to do it. Not financial advice, but that's my And actually, I and I do and I do give financial advice on crypto and I had a lady that wanted to that sold her house, wanted to put her entire house into Ripple and I wouldn't do it. And, I, and it came to the point where I just had to end up firing her as a client cuz I I didn't want the moral responsibility or that overhang over me and you know she wanted to do it at like 60 cents i'm not sure what it's hanging in today like 15 or 20 cents i just pulled off that screen actually let me pull right back up 16 cents and so you know philosophically i've got problems with ripple but you know it's just a very unwise move i mean it's one thing if you've if you've got the money and that is a very small percentage but if you're gonna take the house you're living in and it's 90 percent of your net worth and put it all into something like this even if it's bitcoin even if you're a pro uh bitcoin i think it's a you know very crazy move to make and so i'm not i'm not just out here just to make money just to make money off anything just because i can and and so you know i try to save some people with this and the, the thing is people see these shiny objects they want to go to the shiny object the one shiny the object they see is okay just because you know we're looking actually sorry i don't have it up on screen so right now we're looking on screen you see some different coins over here that let's let's go to one in particular uh so stellar only cost 0.04 cents now what people don't realize is that they have gigantic circulating supplies so this has a circulating supply of 20 billion so they'll, they'll think of the fact that this only costs 0.00 something or, and then, hey, if I just buy a thousand of these and it goes up a tiny bit, then I'll make a bunch of money. And, you know, they, they want to engage in these, what I'd call pump and dumps. And so I think that's one of the things people need to realize is that they need to realize that there's circulating supply. There's, you know, total supply that's ever going to be out there. And then you've got what the price is. And so that's one thing people think that, oh, well, if Ripple's ever gets to the same price as Bitcoin, well, if Ripple ever gets to the same price, if Ripple ever gets to $10, that would be a trillion dollar market cap. Uh, and I made a, actually made a video January 3rd, 2018, saying that I hope everyone that invests in Ripple at $3.40, I hope they lose all their money, which CNBC at the time, Brian Kelly was telling you how to invest into these sort of things. But anyways, try to avoid manias. I was talking about, we talked about our last video of manias, panics, and crashes. We'll have another video comparing this crash to the other, uh, to the crash that's going on, uh, or crashes of the past, to the crashes are going on now. But yeah, just, just be safe out there. Know what you're doing and don't, don't risk any more than you can afford to lose. Yeah, and uh, be smart and be intelligent and don't let your emotions control you. That's that's a lot of advice, even for the C word kind of stuff. Be on top of stuff. Pay attention. Be smart. Don't get uh, fooled. And the best way to do that is to, you know, again, keep your eyes wide open and to consume as much information as you can. If you thought we did a good job today, share this video with your friends and family members. This is our new channel. We're going to be making more content for it every single day. We're also going to be doing a particularly interesting Great Depression compared to what's going on now video uh, soon as well. So stay tuned for that and a lot more here on Change Two, the News. One. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings with yet another important update about what's really happening out there with Tim Bishop and myself. I will be going over all the social political aspects. Tim will be going over all the economic aspects. And economically, there's a lot of interesting things happening with progressives being shocked. 
that they actually support Donald Trump's latest aid aid package deal, which Tim is going to be discussing. While establishment Democrats are not that happy with it, but anyway, moving forward, our lives have been interrupted, as shown by these latest satellite images from above, showing just how much of an impact this coronavirus is having on our average daily lives. And of course, this is something that is unprecedented, something that we are dealing with right now, and something that we will be dealing with for a while. And looking at headlines like this, it's, uh, again, I've been very realistic. I've been very honest with people here. Seeing a headline like this, especially with the Baltimore mayor begging uh, his residents to stop shooting each other so they could stop clogging up the beds so people could actually deal with this virus. It's, uh, <laughs> it doesn't really provide for the best uh, optimistic kind of environment, to be honest with you. But again, uh, the, the information coming in needs to be reported. I'd rather be in the know than in the blind. Also, I, I just I just actually envision a bunch of rats like shooting each other in Baltimore. Like that's just what goes through my head as, you, as you're yeah. saying Baltimore residents. I mean, I, I've been to Baltimore before. It is it is a very uh, you know serious uh, situation. There, I was there covering the riots before, and uh, you know, knowing knowing you know some parts of of, of America, I, I know this is not going to be an easy ride, especially dealing with this. And of course, uh, a lot of people are unprepared, and a lot of people are, are you know buying up a lot of toilet paper, which is moving on to our next story, forcing some Americans literally to cross over to Mexico to buy up toilet paper just to bring back to the United States. I have some friends down in Mexico. They say everything's in the stores. There's not a lot of panic buying. Everything so far in Mexico socially is fine compared to here where mayors are pleading with their residents not to shoot each other. But Trump is making some decisive moves. He has also deployed a Navy floating hospital to New York City Harbor, which, of course, everyone sees in New York City as the next latest major epicenter. And, of course, this is as the latest news is coming in with the NYPD preparing to put its officers on 12-hour shifts. It's usually eight-hour eight hour shifts that they work. But they're doing this because many of their officers are calling out sick and are unable to work. This is as also Philadelphia has told police officers not to arrest people for nonviolent cr crimes. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, you can only see where this trajectory is going as new studies and information is coming out about the virus that we're learning new stuff every single day about it. The latest thing is that young adults are making up a big proportion of, of course, the U.S. hospitalizations when it comes to the coronavirus. So this is worrying, and this, again, goes against a lot of the data that we've been hearing from the very beginning, that this only affects old people. It definitely does not only affect old people. There's a lot of videos going around social media, especially of younger people, just having an extremely hard time to breathe. I talked to a doctor who is in Washington State. Washington State is the state that's most heavily hit with the coronavirus right now. Uh, it looks like New York City will soon surpass them. But he told me just how brutal uh, it, it is to see you know, some of these young people and, and just the, the agony and pain that they have to go through. There's also new studies coming out. Again, these are all preliminary studies, but they're showing that children may play a major role in spreading this virus, even though a lot of them are not affected by it as severely as other people. There's also other information coming off that a lot of people who are dying from it are dying with complications from other diseases and other illnesses that they had before. Italy is also seeing 
just recently, 475 new coronavirus deaths. This is the highest one-day death toll of any country. Uh, and, and again, this is also with a cursor here. China has been accused of underreporting its numbers. Just the, just the precursor here. But Wait, still, the Chinese, they do that? I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, 475 new coronavirus deaths. That's a huge number. The infections are also skyrocketing. And, and really, the situation is turning out really bad in Italy, with some people saying that the, the rate of infections is actually um, flatlining, which we could hope continues. But again, everything is still up in the air uh, in Italy to see if they could actually take care of everyone. Meanwhile, in South Korea, cases are dropping sharply. That's because of aggressive testing. That's because of aggressive border moves, which has not been happening here in the United States. I've been talking to, again, uh, check out the main channel video on, on We Are Change. I, again, I talked to a doctor on the front lines and he told us the government is making this 10 times worse. And, and, and how can you not believe that? Now, the video is getting some criticism, but, but, but look at this other uh, information coming in that the World Health Organization admits that it never even offered the United States testing kits. But they say that the United States didn't even ask for them. Uh, they're also showing that the CDC, uh, again, had enough domestic capacity to deal with this, but they didn't. There's also a lot of regulations, a lot of red tape, a lot of government intervention standing in the way from actually providing these tests quickly and effectively, which is key in dealing with this. And it's basic protocols that have not been followed, and there deserves to be an extreme amount of criticism uh, on the government for doing this, because again, it shows that they weren't taking this seriously. Tucker Carlson had to literally, according to the New York Times, drive down to Mar-a-Lago to talk to Donald Trump and ask him to take this seriously. It looks like Donald Trump is making some aggressive moves. We'll discuss those later on. But of course, the New York Post also came out with an article showing that Chinese officials knew of this coronavirus in December and they ordered a cover-up of it. That is not a surprise there. The United States, either with incompetence or by doing this on purpose, there's been theories about herd immunity. The doctor I talked to does not believe that's true. Again, very eye-opening 40 minute. It was supposed to be a 10 minute video ended up a 40-minute interview. But a lot of people should be outraged uh, because, again, uh, the government is not taking this seriously and they're creating a lot of tragedies, a lot of panic that could have been prevented. All of this could have been avoidable if it was taken seriously from the beginning, which we've been saying to take it seriously from the beginning. I was in Costco telling my family and friends, you need to pack up, you need to stack up in January, late January, early February. None of them were taking me seriously. They were laughing at me, and now here we are. Still, there's a lot of people not taking this seriously. This, to me, is a very, very serious situation. There's also new scientific data coming in that uh, there are experimental drugs that are showing some positive effects with this coronavirus, uh, specifically anti-malaria medication that is showing good effects on treating uh, this new virus. I get corona, I get yeah, yeah, you can yeah, you just see some of the individuals, they're not taking it seriously. That's one reason to be concerned. The second reason is because people are under-equipped. There's a lot of government ignorance and bureaucracy making this worse on purpose. But also the CDC also told nurses because of the shortages of medical supplies, since the United States relies on medical supplies from other countries, specifically China, that we're in an economic war with. That's a whole other story. But the CDC told some nurses that, you know, just wrap a bandana around your face, it'll be fine. And of course, that's not the truth at all. The CDC 
contradicted the Surgeon General before when the Surgeon General said not to wear masks with many people who are asystematic, not knowing that they have it, spreading it, which is just, again, I, when it comes to government incompetence, you have to keep going on and on and on. But again, take this seriously. Try to avoid getting sick as much as you can. Try to become a Buddhist monk. Try to meditate a little bit. Quarantining, cleaning your house, organizing it won't hurt. Again, the situation is very serious, and we're getting news that some hospitals in New York City have already run out of uh, ICU beds and um, uh, those specific ventilators, and that some patients are being double ventilated uh, right now in some hospitals in New York City, with that situation, of course, soon to turn worse. Yeah, and all of this, Donald Trump uh, has uh, suspended evictions and he authorized the Defense Production Act to mobilize businesses to, of course, aid with this response. And he also signed off on this coronavirus aid bill. Tim, this is your line of specialty or of expertise, the economic news. What do you make of Donald Trump's coronavirus aid bill? Yeah, thanks, Luke. So we've got Trump signs off on coronavirus aid bill. And uh, this measure provides free coronavirus testing and ensures paid emergency leave for those who are infected or caring for a family member with the illness. The bill also provides additional Medicaid funding, food assistance and unemployment benefits. Now, as part of this, there's also a second phase. The second phase is an $8.3 billion, uh, which is what the House passed. Of course, they're going to focus that on vaccine research. So another Big surprise, surprise, the big pharma, you know, is, you know, the, that's phase one that, you know, we're taking care of big, big pharma. And then uh, eventually we get to phase three, which Republicans are turning their attention now to what they're calling the third phase of the coronavirus response, which is a $1 trillion proposal uh, from the White House that would include $500 billion in direct payments to Americans. It sounds like it's going to be in waves where there might be $1,000 in the first wave and then potentially another $1,000 in another wave. I don't think any of those details are necessarily clear. Originally, we had talked about having some sort of payroll tax cut, which that's what I would have preferred. I've actually been holding off doing my own payroll because I'm like, okay, if we can, uh, you know, if I can run it with a 0% one, I'd rather do that. So Yeah, and they postponed the, the filing uh, dates, by the way, as well. Yeah, so you know, figures the first time I've ever filed my taxes on time, and now, uh, you know, now it's delayed. So just, just exactly how my life, how my life uh, is going these days. Uh, but yeah, but as we're, you know, this is all, you know, way too little, too late, in my opinion. You know, I don't think they can really, you know, Humpty Dumpty is broke right now. It's going to be very, very hard, if not impossible, to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. And all this stems from the fact that our money is debt. That we have to get, we have to borrow our money out of existence from a private central bank in order to get that money into the economy. So you're always gonna have more debt than you have money. And eventually it gets to the point where it's out of control. We've had three central banks in America uh, before. Uh, we've had the first central bank of America that ended in 1812. The British came here, burned down the White House. Second central bank, Andrew Jackson got rid of. Uh, and then the central banker at the time, uh, Nicholas Biddle, tried doing everything he could to raise rates, try to screw him because uh, they didn't have Twitter back then. So it's a little bit tougher to get information out. And now we've got the third central bank, uh, which is the Federal Reserve, which is not federal, not reserving anything. And so this is the problem. The crux is we don't own our own money. Money. This is money that, and that's why behind me it says, uh, you guys probably can't see in the picture now, but it says the King's, oh, actually I don't even know what it says. It says King's Ransom. That's what it says. I should have known that before I went into that. So uh, it's it's a signify that this is not our money. And so right now, with yeah, it doesn't matter how much more fake money you throw at this because there's going to be other unintended consequences. And eventually 
those unintended consequences are going to be, I mean, people are probably going to use it to pay down debt and just pay down whatever, pay, you know, help pay whatever ongoing bills are. But you know, what's a thousand bucks going to mean when you, you know, all of a sudden you're used to making, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 a year, and now you're not making anything. Uh, you know, I've had that happen to me. That happened to me two years ago where, you know, long story short, uh, you know, in order for me to speak Anarchapoco, I had to give up my career and I thought I was only going to be like out for like a week and the state took a year, basically, or half a year to get my paperwork approved. So I know exactly how difficult this is for people. I have great empathy for people. And all I really want to do is try to help, you know, save as many people as we can, because this whole system cannot be saved. And if you have a cancer, you have cancer, you don't try to just getting rid of a little bit of cancer. You've got to get rid of all of it. And one thing I really want to stress to people from a financial planning standpoint is, uh, and, and let me, before I go into that, here's a headline from Zero Hedge, uh, Rabobank. We were warned the dollar would go up, 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 and then up and well, here we are. And so I mentioned this the other day, and I mentioned this in advance that actually I, I thought that during a collapse in the beginning stages, you would see the dollar go up, which then has its own set of unique circumstances that do, uh, you know, go along with that. Now, the other thing that was going on is that, uh, this is actually the article I meant to pull up, is that we are not sure what's going on. Markets hit sell everything moment after largest on record eight sigma crash. Now, what that means is that means that essentially what happened on Wednesday, Wednesday markets just suffered the biggest balance portfolio drop in history, surpassing both the insanity of last week and the global financial crisis. So this is an eight standard deviation move. I'm pretty sure that a three standard deviation move basically means there's less than like one half of 1% chance of that happening. So an eight standard deviation move is I would have to go look that up. But I mean, if, if someone could put that in the comments, that would be awesome. And then let us know what that, what that means, crowdsource this. But I mean, that's probably got to be, I don't know, it's just probably more than like one in a million type chance. But what a balanced portfolio means is a lot of people say, hey, in order to in order to get yourself through this, you have to be diversified. So, but the problem is when everything goes down, it doesn't really matter. Diversification does actually go out the window. It went out the window in 2008. It's going out the window right now. Um, and, and so there were some strategies that we we're trying to employ to help people out with that. But with this, with this, what went on yesterday uh, is that you had a simultaneously stock market crash while the bond market was rising. And so what happens is when you have a bond market, let's say you have a 10-year bond, it's trading at a million dollars. If rates go up 1%, your million dollars is now roughly 900,000. Now you'll still get your you know piddly amount of interest. I mean, nowadays, you know they're really not even giving out any interest. Uh, but if rates, let's say, go up 2%, well now because of compounding, your million dollars would now be closer to $780,000. And so you, people are playing a very dangerous game in the bond market right now where they're going into the bond market for safety, but it's not providing, but you know, essentially uh, one term I've heard before is you're trying to pick up pennies in front of a steamroller. That's what I think people are trying to do right now in the bond market. But the problem is the stock market's also super dangerous. And so that's one thing I've really tried stressing to people is that concept of interest rate risk, where the under, when you have the underlying bonds, value, uh, the yields go up, the underlying values of the bonds go down. So it sort of works like a teeter-totter. So yields going up. So let's say rates go from 1% to 2%, underlying value of the bonds go down. Now you're then forced to sell when, the, when your bonds have already been decimated. You're never going to get that back. And I've been screaming for people at the top of the top of my lungs about this and it's not to show that i'm right it's to try to show try to help as many people as possible and so it's just very you know frustrating seeing all of this going on trump's bill yeah i mean i know everyone needs a strong leader a strong man to do something uh but you know as a libertarian you know i don't want the government doing anything and i think that they caused a lot of this to begin with i think that all of this is they're just trying to paper over more and more more and more debt because all the system cares about is if people can hit their minimum interest payment 
And so, yeah, is it good that they're doing something just to show that they're doing something? I don't know, maybe for people's own psyche. But at this point, the problem is so great in terms of on so many different levels, whether it's the pensions, whether it's the bond market, whether it's, uh, you know, high yield bonds, whether it's the stock market. I mean, there's just so many different things right now, whether it's the demographics of America, the huge underlying debt. I just don't see any of this being able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again and Quite frankly, the the quicker we sort of rip off this bandaid, I think the better it would be, Luke. And uh, you know, it's just it's just it's devastating to know that there's a lot of people who lost their lives over this. Uh, people that are going to lose their lives, lose their homes, and it's it does it does pain me to to know this and uh, and to know that that we're not at the end of this game. I don't think we're just going to be some quick V-shape recovery and all of a sudden you know just ride it out because there's a lot of people now who are 65, 75 years old and they can't ride it out, and that does yeah. it does pain me. Yeah, and that's what Donald Trump says. It's like, we're going to bounce back from this really quickly. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to go higher than we were before. And it's like, uh, I mean, look how drastic these moves are. I mean, Trump is pretty much in line with the progressives. Uh, we're talking about a universal basic income becoming a reality in this country. And Steve Mnuchin just said publicly, because again, a lot of people, you know, blindly like, this is going to be great for us. We need this. And and legitimately, some people do need this. You know, when you look at the average uh, American, they don't have any savings. They have a lot of debt. Uh, and, and this is just came out from Steve Mnuchin. He says, uh, checks for all Americans will not be cut for at least three weeks. And he says if this crisis continues, which it will, most likely will go on for a few months, there will be another round of up to $1,000 per adult. That's regardless of your location, which, you know, if you're living in like, uh, you know, Wyoming compared to New York City, there's, there's a difference there with how much money you spend. And also how much money you have. If you're a millionaire or a billionaire, you know, you, you know, you're not, you might not need that much money as, uh, you know, someone else who is, you know, in debt and made very poor decisions and went to college and is indebted and is a virtual slave to the system because that's what the system uh, kind of uh, pushes people to be. But uh, checks are going to be, this is according to the information that we're getting right now, $1,000 per person, $500 per child. Uh, so, I mean, how do you think... I? Also, I was doing a, I was doing a lot of research on the Great Depression. We should make a Great Depression comparison video to what's happening now because there's a lot of similarity. I've been doing a lot of research yesterday on it. Uh, but uh, let's let's try to end it here. But uh, I, I, I mean, for a short while, this might have positive effects. But we're talking about like a big amount of socialism here with this thousand dollars per adult. Before, just really quickly, what kind of effects do you see it having with the economy? And let's end it from here. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be give it a temporary boost, but you know, people famously do a lot of stupid things with their money. So you give a lot of people who are already in debt to begin with, maybe they'll pay it off. But, but right now, what people are going to have to do is they're just going to have to pay just to get the groceries if they can even get groceries. And then now we've got reports of do not take a bunch of cash out of the bank because of coronavirus. And so now, and we'll put that up on screen for two seconds here. But so CNN, when CNN is telling you that, I mean, uh, the, as we've been saying, the writing is on the wall. Yeah, I mean, you got CNN t telling you that, and it, you, you did want to make me have a comparison between the Great Depression. Actually, right here in my hot little hands, I have a book called Manias, Panics, and Crashes. Let's do a whole video about this. Let's yeah, and do I, a whole video about yeah, this. Yeah, and I, and I read this, but funny, I actually read this book in uh, late 2007, so it's kind of funny that I literally read this book like, as we were at the all-time high from that, and then we papered that crash over. But anyways, I think this is all way too little, too late. I think it's very funny that they made the statement of if we're still in a crisis three weeks from now, because I think three weeks from now, people are going to wish that uh, it was only 
only as bad as it is right now. Uh, but yeah. you know, hope, hopefully, I'm wrong on that. I remember uh, Ron Paul and the the whole audit, the Fed discussion, being like, if we really find out what the Fed's doing, the economy's going crap, going to crash. And Ron Paul was making this argument for even before 2008, we need to pull off the Band-Aid quicker because the damage that's going to be done is going to be far worse than quickly pulling off the Band-Aid. Again, that's our take on it. Stay tuned for more here on Change the News channel.